Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. <laughs> what are you getting ready hello, to do? Hello, 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 <laughs> mommies and daddies and papas and friends and family of all ages. Good morning, good evening, and good night, depending on when you're listening. We are so pumped. We have Catherine Scarrow. 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 Yes. Sorry, I fucked Catherine up. Catherine Scarrow. Catherine Scarrow <laughs> is a very impressive lady. She's the deputy head of Global Content Studio uh, for the Globe and Mail. So in the role, she has the power of storytelling to help global brands connect with their audience. Uh, Catherine joined the global team in 2010 as the web editor in the reporter in the reporter. She's a reporter on the business on business before being asked to run the small business section. Prior to this, she worked at Yahoo Canada, where she covered news as well as the Olympic Games in Vancouver, B.C. Uh, she received her MBA from Ivy. Woohoo. Go Western. And her master's of journalism from UBC. Um, and she's a mom and she's very pretty and very cool and we know a lot of people who know her so welcome Catherine. <laughs> wow welcome. thank you thank is that you. cool yeah yeah thank okay you. so right. tell us about yourself tell us like high level whoa okay high level let's do this um so <laughs> i you know i'm a mom now and that's pretty big so yes i have yeah. a, a day job yes uh, at the globe and mail um and it's sort of like i i explain it as it's like the in-house content studio at the globe it's sort mm. of a new thing for people to wrap their heads around but it's like having a, like an ad agency in, in the globe and mail yeah which is kind of cool um but yeah like i have two children now mm. um I have a boy uh, who is turning three in May and mm-hmm. I have a little girl who just turned one. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's been a pretty big change for me over the last few years because I'm now back to work full time and yeah. just... Um, How's that going? It's going pretty well. I mean, yeah. I I went back to work early with my second. Mm-hmm. I did the six month tour as opposed to the full year and mm-hmm. because... Quite frankly, I was ready to get back to work. Get me out of here. It was a little bit like I had done the year mat leave (laughs) and it was wonderful. And I had the friends off and it was all good. And then by the second, I obviously wanted to spend time with my daughter, but I was also like, I need money and I need like... To turn my brain on. Yes, I got to turn my brain on. Uh, So it's been a balancing act, man. Like it's it's been great. But like even the fact that I'm out right now is wild to me. Like driving on the streets at like... 7 30 at night oh my god it's dark out. how do i turn my lights on <laughs> I, I forgot how to do this <laughs> like no, being on my right own now. ever it's like yeah. a weird it's still like a weird You're not like, terrifying experience <laughs> but like exhilarating in a way because like, i could just drive away i could yeah. just keep going 
Not that's that my I whole think that, life but. is. No, our whole life is like, how long can I be in the car? Um, <laughs> You're all about the car time. You're I'm like, all about the car time. There's no kids in my car. It's my own private. That's space. right. I'm like, turn the music. I'm like, Shaka Khan comes. I'm like, damn, something good. I'm like, I'm in my car by myself, bitch. Driving. Um, okay. Yeah, that back to work thing is for real. Did you have that, Dean? I guess not. I, I took basically no mat leave ever. So my longest was my first, which was six months, followed by three months, followed by six weeks, followed by two weeks. Dean and, has four uh, kids. So I have four kids. Oh, four yeah. boys. Snap. And my yeah. youngest is 19 months. And he still comes with me to the office where he came with me at two weeks and ongoingly still joins me in the office. So it's a very unique kind of super modern mat leave. Um, yeah, but I only took two weeks with him and I had the same, like I just needed adult time. I needed to talk and move and think. Yeah. And I, f- I, I'm not the best version of myself when I'm home by myself with a baby. I, I just, that's not me. Um, so yeah. So I mean, this, this version was my best version. I wish I could kind of go back and do the whole baby with me in the office thing from the get go. But alas, that's, uh-huh. that's cool. My, my older sister is a doctor and did this. She has three kids and I kind of saw her go through the she did yeah. like the full year and then the it got sm- kept getting smaller and smaller and yeah. including breastfeeding she's like i did like 14 months with my first and she's like i did like four days with yeah. the third and yeah. i was just like it was good to see her because yeah. she was like straight up like don't feel pressure do what's right for you yeah 100 mm-hmm. i'm still breastfeeding that 19 month old actually okay so he's actually the, the longest ever breastfed though i breastfed for over a year for all of them but having him come with me every day is like that's amazing. The best thing ever. And he's out with me the whole time. He's there a couple hours every day, but it's very awesome. And I feel less of a kind of pull as like the mom versus, you know, entrepreneur, doctor. It's it's great having him there with me. If anyone could ever maneuver this, I know yeah. it's difficult in most people's work, works, but to to have some time with your kids, if you can go back early, if you wanted to go back early. I mean, some people love this whole hour, a year thing or, or 18, 18 months. Thing. Yeah, totally. Yes. Don't ask yeah. Lauren about 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because you're not working at all, right? Right. No, Lauren <laughs> is like, she She actually said once, and I thought it was quite apropos. She's like, if you're out of the workforce for a year and a half, like especially in the tech world, that you're, you've been, you've missed a lot, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, that's a serious you're still working like, so much though, even if you are off for so yeah. long, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a legitimate factor. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in maybe the tech space as mm-hmm. much, but it's a, if you're out of the game yeah. for over six months like yeah. people you things know change. you things change so quickly um, yeah. and that's part of it I actually had a really good opportunity when I came back I was one of these rare I actually got a promotion when I went back to work mm-hmm. so I work on this team uh, my boss is male but mm-hmm. everyone else on my team is in their like 20s all women mm-hmm. it's just it just worked out that way. Mm. But I said to him, you know, what a cool message you're sending to these younger women that like I've come back from mat leave in a promotion role. Mm. Like I didn't get penalized for being out of the workforce, yeah. which, you know, can often be the case. Yeah. yeah I think even if you're not, not really there. penalized, I think some people still feel like other people have taken on as part of their role or other people just, have so advanced funny. while they've been away. While they've been away. Well, that's mm-hmm. why I, just, I literally met my boss yesterday cause I have a day job and she's like, and he's like, so, um, when are you coming back? What do you want to do? The position has pivoted. Are you open to trying something else? And I'm like, I'm game for anything. Like, are you, you going want back me? at 12 months or are you going out I'm thinking, I'm thinking about going back um, at a certain time. Who calls me during podcasts? No. Um, so I yelled at my cell phone. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about going back at 12 months. He kind of wanted me to start yesterday. He's I like, I want to stay off for 18 months. I know. I, I want to stay off for 18 months because I want to give mom's tail like a real shot and see if yeah. I can grow it across the country. But when you meet your boss, I mean, Alex, I hope you're not listening, but I told you I'm coming back at 12 because I like want to have some job security. I can't 
But not you will have, have, but I thought in Ontario, you do have job security. I mean, I'm, if I said to him, I'm not coming back, and I said that to him now, he doesn't necessarily need to keep my job if I tell him six months and then I'm not coming back. Like, he needs to plan as if I'm coming back, and I'm planning as if I'm going back. Oh, so. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, plan. if you're in Ontario, I think it's just Ontario, right? You can have 18 you, months if, now. If you, you can have 18 months, but you had to pick, I think, between having the unemployment insurance or the EI, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. can stretch it. So it's like less amount of money over 18 months. But if you took the full amount over the 12 months for those six months, you just get no money. I see. So whatever it is, but your job has to be held for you. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. If you're not in Ontario, I have no idea what your rules are. Yeah. But or and none of those States, rules work for me at all. Cause I'm, if you're in the States, I'm sorry and, for your six weeks. I yeah. feel very bad oh, for you yeah. or 13 yeah. weeks, whatever it is. Can you imagine? I have like Canadian cousins who happen to live. One lives in Texas and the other lives in New York. American and, cousins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, they're Canadian, but they marry oh. or they work in the States. Okay. And then she had like three days of Matt leave and she was like back to work. I'm like, what? Like that's insane to me. I just yeah. I, I am sort of thankful that we have the system in God place. God bless Canada. Honestly, yes. I love being Canadian. Are you are you patriotic? I am. Yeah. Yes. Are you Dean? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I work. I'm glad I work, and I'm glad I live here. You yeah. know, I, I there could be a lot of opportunities for me in the states, but I have no interest in practicing medicine in the states. Yeah. That was never been a goal or a thought or anything. Yeah. I, the kid crew model work, 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 would work very well there, actually. Yes, it would. But I didn't do any of my American exams. Um, I have no interest in practicing yeah. the actual states. The the concept of potentially turning sick kids away because of their insurance and things like that. I just, my God. I can't I t- even I think through Dina. it. I can't, I can't practice. I took my, sis, my, I took my, my, I thought my daughter had like measles or something. I was convinced. I'm like, we're in the States and, and she's so little and she's for sure like there's an anti-vaxxer and something happened bad or whatever. Nothing, something wrong with that. Maybe there's whatever. We'll talk about another time. Um, but I called Dina. I was like, she's like, that's eczema. I was like, I have to bring her in and just to make sure. And they're like, um, do you have insurance? They wouldn't even see my four month old until I like got the insurance completely sorted. They wouldn't even like, it was like before you even walk that's in. Not, that concept, that's like an emerge doc scares the shit out of me. Like yeah. to to know that a person is potentially getting Turned more away. sick. And yeah. anyway, I, I couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. I, I never, like even when I was going through medical school, I didn't do any of my exams. I just had no interest. One of my brothers is a cardiac surgeon in the States. He works in Florida and uh, he loves it. He he hasn't thought about coming back. Yeah. He quite likes practicing there. But anyway, doesn't do it for me. No. Well, tell me, so you, so you go back to work six months after having your second mm-hmm. and you have a big girl job. You're like pretty big deal over there. Mm-hmm. Um, big super big shot. No, <laughs> big, <yeah>. shot. <laughs> big shot. But no, seriously, what was it like? Like how you managed to figure it out going back to work and you having a young family. Weird? Yeah. What's weird for me now. Have is you worked that differently? I guess is the question. I, well, I've become the, old lady with kids now yeah, i'm like it, fucked yeah it's like i have i it was funny even this week i had two of the more junior people on my team that are really cool but and i feel like i'm one of their peers but i'm at least 10 years older right and they're asking me for this like career advice and stuff i'm like wait am i that person you are now? that person i'm that person too and, and yeah. like i'm talking about my children and they're like what'd you do this week and i was like we started like potty training with my son <laughs> and i'm like oh I, i've become that that person right and it's this weird like I'm very self-conscious about it and uh I think you know that's something I I do end up spending a lot of time on is just sort of like the fact that I'm at this period of life now where I'm a parent but I still feel like that 20 year old Mm -hmm. but I happen to have kids and responsibilities and people like ask for my opinion and when I I say something people listen which is like (laughs) 
shocking, right? You just feel like you're you've taken on this role as well. So it's yeah. a bit of acting too. You so. know, it's so funny, Catherine. I like I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like so cool. I'm like a young hip millennial and I know what's up. And then I see a 26 year old, I'm like, ah, I'm 30 fucking five. Like almost 36. I'm definitely 10 years older than you. And they're like wearing like cool outfits and stuff. We're saying things and then ask exactly asking for professional advice or like an awe, being like, I've never met anyone with kids before. When I was pregnant, they're like, you're going to have a baby. This is the first baby I'm going to know. I'm like, okay. And then they like bought me really nice, like over the top baby presents. You know, remember when you had like someone in your life that you thought was really cool and you bought them over the top baby presents. No, I'm getting the over top baby presents. Yeah. Fuck. It's, it's cool in a lot of ways, but it is like, I don't know. That's been an adjustment for me. Um, and then like looking in the mirror and you start seeing like, you know, I, like I, I don't look like I feel yeah, right. Exactly like the gray. It. Yeah. It's just like, it's all a lot, yeah. but you know, you, you just roll with it. Like it's I great think, that you feel good though. Cause I think a lot of people may not look like they're aging, but they feel shittier than that. Cause sleep deprivation or whatever stress, oh, et cetera. God. Somehow make it through though, right? Like the body is a miraculous yeah, thing. They all figure it out. I don't know if you're in the middle of like super sleep deprivation where you're up all night, but I was. I just what is it? Yeah, I'm like I'm like a month into her sleeping. So that's amazing. Yeah, my my daughter's turning six months old this week, so we slept trained her like a minute before she turned five months. That's so good. yeah, I've been sleeping for almost four weeks, which is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. By the way, it changes your life. Game it changer. Totally changes your life. Totally yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm going to sell my house. This is a great idea for right now. This is exactly what I need to sell <laughs> my house right now with a five month old. This is a terrible idea. My advice to our listeners, do not buy and sell houses when you have infant babies at home. We've done this a few times now, actually. We moved into our first house when my eldest was five months and we moved to rentals when I was pregnant and had like a one year old. And then moved into this house when, how old was he, Andrew? How old was Austin? Five months. months. I think we keep doing the five month thing too. (laughs) Five months is a thing for us. Oh my God. You know, it's it's weird. Like when I did my MBA a couple years ago, um, we decided it'd be a great idea to sell our house and for us to rent because the market was getting crazy. But we, my husband basically moved up to Huntsville and built a cottage. Like he lived in this little um, bunkhouse for a year and built a cottage. I was doing my MBA and then pregnant as well. So it was like one of those things where people are like, even when you do your, your MBA, they're like, don't even do a renovation. Don't do anything. You're going to want to devote all your time to this. And we just thought we'd do everything crazy in that all sort of once. two year, one year period. Um, I don't know why. It just seems like, Maybe you're just crazy when you're pregnant. You just we're like super hyper achiever kind of people, right? Oh, we're just like okay. do a lot of shit at the same time, and you know, because we have all these like boxes in our heads, right? Like I want right. to do this and this and this and this. Let's just do it. Let's just do it all, all at once. once. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. It'll when, work. Out. When we finished, when I finished med school, I finished med school, did my exams, graduated, moved to Toronto. What else we do at the same time? Oh, got married. Got married. Oh, no big we went deal. On a honeymoon. We did like I th- there was like other things there too. Oh, bought a condo. Yeah, there was like. Eight things that happened that summer. Yeah. It's just it's just how I roll. Yeah. That's good. Why did you go back and do your MBA when you already had this killer job? Um, well, I mean, a couple factors. I think I, I, I did the journalism stream. So I was sort of uh, implanted in the, the ROB, did the small business gig. And what ended up happening in that role, this is where I met a lot of these like young entrepreneurs in Toronto. And um, we started hosting these events. The, we, we called them Young Entrepreneur Nights. And this was like about five years ago um, when the tech a startup situation in Toronto wasn't as vibrant as it is now. So we were really in on the ground 
floor, to, so to speak. A lot of the entrepreneurs that I met during this time have now gone on to grow these massive businesses. But what was happening is we were sort of becoming entrepreneurial ourselves because we were raising money for these events and realizing that the Globe and Mail as a brand kind of gave us access to kind of create something else. And there was sort of a business revenue side to that that I just felt like as someone I did English literature in my undergrad, which I don't regret, I loved, but I missed the like foundations of business. Mm -hmm. I just kept thinking Mm -hmm. like that's something in my like toolbox. Like I just, as a human being, I think will serve me very well. And I, my brother went to Ivy. Uh, I went to Western, like I went to Huron. So I Mm. knew about the brand. And when I kind of approached them, they were like, we love the fact that you come from like a liberal arts background. That's sort of our model. We bring people from different backgrounds together. uh, And it ended up being like one of the best decisions I've made because it just sort of um, empowered me. Like I felt like, okay, like this is going to be hard, but Mm -hmm. let's see if I can do it. And ultimately, it sort of opened the door for me to move into advertising. So yeah. I, I made that move from the editorial space into advertising, which is in some ways... It's very interesting, actually. It's an interesting change. Yeah. And like it's kind of cool going to the revenue side. It's kind of cool going to the side where you're making money for a company as opposed to spending the money on the editorial side. Obviously, Globe and Mail known for great journalism, but you know we support great journalism through you know selling products, yeah. what have you. Uh-huh. So... I've thought, yeah. I've thought many times about doing an MBA and I feel like at the end of the day, I have no time for it, but we had a lot I of have, doctors in our I program. Have, I have yeah. zero business, anything. Doesn't matter. Uh, I've taken not a single course, not nothing, nothing, but I mean, I've built the business and it's worked out. So I'm not sure I actually like need it. I'm sure I would gain such valuable right. um, education. You can do an executive MBA, Dean. Yeah, it's like, it's like a shit ton of work. I wouldn't be able to run kid career or work at kid career, I don't yeah, think, well, at the same time. I guess not. I don't know. I, I, I know a lot of people have MBAs, and Catherine, maybe you're among one of the few who's been successful. Like, a lot of people have MBAs and don't can't necessarily figure out what to do with them or are unemployed or unemployable. But here you are sort of kicking ass and taking names. So I'm not, I'm glad that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe Ivy also is one of the most like innovative, creative business schools that exist. Is that true? It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I just love the fact that they were very customer service oriented in the sense that like when I reached out, I was very kind of self-conscious about all these things. Like, I don't know, like, is this right for me? Whatever. Like, is my background? Okay. Obviously they want to bring women on. Like, I know that for a fact, but they position like my background as a strength for their program. And how many pregnant women were there in the program? Uh, not many uh-huh. like none but uh-huh. um you know i'm now on the uh, alumni um, board for the magazine which mm-hmm. is cool so i'm using sort of my journalistic background to help in a content way like yeah. to help promote the school and so that that's sort of my continued connection to the school but um it, it was interesting we did have a lot of doctors in our program engineers um people from like healthcare, not that many people from arts though. I must say, I think that's an area I wish there were a few more people like me, but, Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because when I went back to work, the application, the MBA doesn't happen right away, but now I'm starting to realize more and more like the things I'm doing. I'm like, I'm so glad I did my MBA Mm -hmm. because I have all this, like all this foundation, Mm -hmm. um, and all these kind of references that I can pull from. That's awesome. So it's increasingly like, there, there's more doctors that are interested in doing something other than practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so many realms that you could take medicine into it, especially in Canada, which is kind of untapped a bit. Um, but, uh, and I think people are so cognizant now of more burnout and not practicing till they're 80, 
Yeah. Um, so I think we'll see more and more doctors going into MBAs and things. But just because you have an MBA doesn't mean that you have great business acumen, right? right. So I think some people get it, like you were speaking to, Alana. Mm-hmm. Some people get them thinking that that's going to open automatic doors and they'll be able to start businesses, but that doesn't mean you will be successful in that way. You know what I mean? I wrote yeah. my, my, what's it called, GMAT. Yeah. It's the GMAT. Mm-hmm. I wrote it three times. Hmm. I failed all three times. It's like, what, because it's, <laughs> I like that test. I have post traumatic stress disorder from that fucking test. I've written a lot of standardized tests and failed all of them. Like, failed the LSAT a bunch of times. And I was like, the GMAT makes the LSAT look like a fucking, like, cakewalk. I'm just letting you know. The GMAT is the hardest test I've ever written. I know you've written your, your MCATs, MCATs which yeah. is probably even harder than all of them put together. I have no but idea. But that I fucking GMAT, man, like, the algorithm when it starts kicking in and you know that you're really failing is when it's like asking you apples and oranges questions. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, it just keeps kicking you down to the zero question. And I literally got like maybe one question, right? Because it was like the computer generated answer came out of the scoring system. It was like, oh, I got exactly one. It tells you. It tells you right away. When, when I did the MCAT in, yeah. uh, what the hell was it? 2002. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah. 2002? 2003, maybe? Whatever. That year, that around then, it was written. It was on a piece of paper. <laughs> there was like a, what are those things called? Were you... Bubble charts? Bubble charts. Scan- yeah. uh, yeah, Scantron. 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 Yes. Scantron. So it was old school. I didn't do anything on the computer. No, no. I think it was a Scantron too, but yet the questions were on the computer. Oh, no. No, no. It was literally no, it wasn't. And I the algorithm would kick you to a harder question or a yeah, less harder yeah. question. And I took all the, like, the Princeton reviews and shit to try to like learn how to gamify the actual like system of the algorithm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I got this. This is easy. You don't even have to know anything except for how to cheat it. And then I wrote the test. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't. And then I did it again. And I was like, I still can't figure were you this out. you planning to an MBA? Is that why? I, so I applied for an MBA. Yeah, I tried to do an executive MBA that was an it was an MA and MBA combined in hmm. Brandeis in Boston. Sweet. And I had gone when to the program that? conditional on passing the GMAT. Oh, so is it pass fail kind of deal? It's like, like you have score? to get a score that a human should get as opposed to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so you can laugh into the mic. That's part Sorry. of the that's part of the charm. Like, am I gonna ruin it? No, no. Uh look, yeah. at the end of the day, there were certainly students in my class who were there for one reason they wanted an mba so that they could change jobs because they hated their lives and like quite frankly the first like day or week i was there it's like a soap opera man like the people (laughs) who do their mba are there for a reason Mm. i actually really liked my job i was there for clear i wanted sort of out of editorial i wanted to position myself sort of in a different way did you work at the same time or you did your mba yeah i worked at the same time yeah so i mean but there's obviously people who just like were there because their like relationships were falling apart and they needed this out like i'm not joking (laughs) my husband left me my car broke down my dog died there were like there there was a lot of drama (laughs) (laughs) no i'm it's just because you're getting all these people at different stages of life they have children like yeah in some ways it's an escape from their lives too right and it's an opportunity to learn and where do i sign up okay maybe i'll try the gym again <laughs> <laughs> running away from my life is my new theme of everything i'm writing about into recently. Car. yeah <laughs> but, uh, into car no i have no regrets I, I do think though if you if i had four children at the time yeah. it would have been really tough it's a shitload of work right yeah and you're just not with your family for that period of time it's yeah. just that's so tough. did you and your spouse move to london well, you were doing no, it? I did the program in Toronto where I worked yeah. full time. Uh-huh. So um, he was around, but he, like we didn't have kids at the time. Like right. I was pregnant right at the end uh-huh. and like I had buy in from him. I think that's like you, you need that full on commitment. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. Otherwise. What does your husband do? He's a contractor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We were talking about this. Somebody we know is working on the house. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's yeah, yeah. like 
literally doing yeah. your friend's basement right that's now. That's awesome. That's Not awesome. right now, but yeah, like, like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's with their children, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Catherine, I wanted to go back to a little bit something. Can we pivot a little bit away yeah, from sure. this? So yeah, tell me about the, um, I was just reading some of your notes about some stuff you're thinking about. Tell me about like, I totally can relate to, I'm also born, I'm 83. Mm. So I was born and we're talking, and she's 83. So we're talking about millennials a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And when I started Moms TO, I called it the millennial mom movement. That was the idea. It's like, let's change the face of motherhood for the next generation and leave a better place for our daughters and our sons or whatever. So when they parent, we're going to hand them like a way better tool belt than when we were handed. We were handed a really good tool box like we know everything way more than our parents did but i want to know a little bit more about like relating to the younger millennials right like Mm. that people born in 92 right like those conversations your dynamics because i see you've thought about that a lot both as marketing but also as a human so tell us your thoughts yeah okay so and as a parent yeah so yeah i think you guys are with me in the sense that we are millennials but we're sort of at the (laughs) there's a term that goes around like elder millennial mm-hmm. or exennial which is sort of you're kind of feeling you like feel really old yeah what's that elder millennial <laughs> it's sort of a like joke a like yeah. we're the <laughs> we're the ger- geriatric millennial but like yeah. you know the 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 typical characteristics of the millennial generation i identify with some some of them but some of them i'm like no uh-huh. because i didn't grow up with let's say, list some of them because i don't I can well Google them, i mean there's maybe this you know idea that um yeah. You like say around the time where there was like the Great Recession, two thousand and eight. Like right. I had had a I had a job by then, so yeah, there's this idea. Like I didn't feel like I graduated, and then there was like the job market shut its doors to me, and I was sort of jaded around that. So I think that's right. like a pretty big, big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also around like technology. So I think we remember a time where there weren't like computers and we didn't have smartphones. Like right. that wasn't a natural or social media remember was sort Blackberry? of like. Remember Blackberry? The Blackberry. I do remember like when, the first, when did like you that? first have a computer or when did your family first have a computer? Do you remember how old you always. were? Always. My parents have like always been early tech adopters. We always so had my like, dad like had when? Like elementary My school? dad had like this, see this pillow that's the size of my lap? My father had a cell phone like this. Right. So it was like, <laughs> you know, it looked like a rotary phone on wheels. Like we, we like, always we had, had one of the, not like, like one of the first Macs in Canada, but we were always like Apple computer people. Like we had like some of the first before Apple was cool at all. Like yeah. it was almost like nothing worked on Apple. So uh-huh. it was like, why do we even have this? But <laughs> remember when Apple had the cool, like the blue one. Oh yeah. Purple one. Purple one. one. We definitely did <laughs> not have one. Millennial. Those, those oh, were cool. elder millennials yes, yeah. when that was your computer. But for yeah. example, the but other day. before that, was it even old? Like when did, were those? Before that. I mean, no one could, Early no one could afford them in your house. Yeah. But remember right. those box ones? You know what I mean? Like the ones, not just like, not the, not the laptop ones, but like the box oh, yeah. ones that like the back was blue and pink. I thought those were the coolest things ever. That was so not my life, but yeah. those were cool. That was like, I'm, I'm going to say nineties, but there's no way those were nineties. No, yeah, yeah. Late, late nineties because I had one and we, my friend and I used to edit video on iMovie which is like, the, I think the first version of iMovie ever. And I remember being in my room and we spent like four hours on this video and the computer crashed and like we had lost all of our, oh, all no. of our work. Right. But that, those were the days when like editing, like yeah. film was like film, digital, whatever. Right. Like it was like a big deal. Now right. it's like you can do it on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think this, I think smartphones too are a big like change. Like right. I didn't have a, iPhone or smartphone until I was probably in my like twenties. I probably had my first pager when I was fourteen. I literally, I literally had, I had a a pager. We used to call the number. I'd be like, "What six two zero nine five, please?" 
please page the following message. Pick up some milk from like I had a pager when I was fourteen. I look like a drug dealer. Uh, I just got a pager. A little Jewish white. Drug I don't think dealer. I ever had a pager until I was like uh, like a resident or like a medical. No, I okay. had a pager. But I had a flip phone. Sense. I had a flip phone. Yeah, I was like a legit thing. My dad was a criminal thing, lawyer. Like, I had access to pagers. Yes. <laughs> Your doctor you having drugs. a pager makes sense. As you as a fourteen year old Jewish girl living in downtown Toronto. Yeah. You know, people doctors still wear pagers. Like that's still a thing. I know. Like there's a lot of other technology. But people still wear pagers. Yeah. It's bizarre, and sometimes multiple pagers. Like in the hospital, you see like the big fancy people on call will have like three or four different pagers. Fancy, fancy doctors have <laughs> multiple pagers. Is that because they don't want to ha- like respond? No, to they things? also have phones. It's oh, so okay. stupid. Like you might have like two different phones and three different pages. I'm not exaggerating. And you have like an extra belt or like like uh, something to like tuck everything in because your pants fall down. That's this is amazing. legit. Every doctor listening will totally Jen, understand what I'm talking we about. We should definitely, you know, we should like in- innovate a scrub that has pockets to keep your like. It should be like a Lulu scrub right. so it's like has a tight waist and in it is all those secret pockets for all the pages. what people do is they wear um what are those things fanny packs yeah you clip in the fanny pack and oh, you I, the like fanny the, I like really, a fanny really pack yes i like a good old school see that's a sign of a millennial but I they're love. back but they're now cool now. they're everywhere i, I have yeah, many of them yes they're that's totally the a legit fashion accessory <laughs> cool. now cool. like not even an ironic way i know I'm, I'm going to a 90s event tomorrow i might actually wear one we'll see okay cool. do you guys yeah. remember reebok pumps yeah yes. of course so i brought that up the other day to my colleagues like just like Oh yeah, Reebok. Your twenty-five-year-old colleagues didn't yeah. know what Reebok pumps were. Yeah, and I was bad. like, okay, and we're wear, in the same generation. Yeah, like, would you like to watch Space Jam right now? <laughs> yeah. Everybody, Andrew, watch get Jam up! What, watch Space Jam this weekend yeah. with our children. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah. Welcome to the Jam now. That was this such a good song. Fun. What dance. kind of things? Let's think of a couple things. <laughs> um, I've been watching don't know. Labyrinth with my. Oh, three-year-old that's a weird one to watch it is weird i was like is, <laughs> is this? that david bowie <laughs> yes. yes and i was like is this child friendly it's on netflix on the children's like kids channel and i'm like i feel like this i don't Maybe know i, I watched watching i was like it you. is a bit dark like yeah. the baby gets kidnapped within the first scene <laughs> <laughs> but he loves it like he, my son gravitates towards very dark the never-ending um, story never, the never-ending story one. what's the name of the yeah. what's the name of the guy in the 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 balfour the, da- balfour is that the name of the, the yes, dog the dog dragon something like that this is a good trivia who knows is that his name Andrew, so, what's his name? I feel like you would know this. No, no. It's close to Balfour or something. I feel like a literary expert would be the Balfour? one. Balfour? Actually. Something like that. I, hey, Siri, what was the name of the dog in Never <laughs> Ending Story? Dog Dragon. Sorry, I can't search that. Oh, but well. I can search by Bye. title, actors, year, and category. Okay, stop, stop. Sorry, I can't hear anymore. Um, Too much information. Okay. Um, what were those dolls that you put them in water and they became a doll? You mean... The you dolls mean, you put in water. It was like, what did it look doll? like? I never had one. So we, <laughs> I didn't get fancy I toys when I was growing up. I didn't. <laughs> like I never, <laughs> um, my parents will agree. It's true. The, the, uh, it'll come to me. Cabbage Patch dolls, never had. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh. But it was the same era as Cabbage Patch dolls. And it was, you literally put this thing in water. Magic Nursery Babies? Yes. Where you knew the, was. The, ident- yes. the gender or whatever, yes. gender reveal. Yeah. That's what it was. It was like a package either. that the original, you... The original but was it water? Reveal. Didn't you like dunk the baby? It, not the baby. It was like this little package. And then it would tell you what it was. And it was like a booklet. And it was it's like, because it was had water twins. business to it though? Yeah, there was water. Yeah, like okay. you dunked it in water and then yeah. it revealed. But it wasn't yes. the baby. It was like some little 
package right and it, yeah. it became a baby that's an obscure thing to bring up <laughs> i don't know i thought of it i didn't have one i really wanted add one. it to your I was amazon wish list andrew taking notes so you're getting dina a cupboard with the things that i always wanted that my parents wouldn't buy for me <laughs> i think retro is cool though i think everyone's talking about the 90s especially as like an era like the remake of fresh prince of bel-air and mm. it's like this gr- like gritty oh. movie i cannot wait to see is it gritty oh. yeah it's like a gritty dark like will you are here from Philadelphia. <laughs> Fresh friends, you cannot be on fight on the basketball court. It's like a real movie. Oh, oh my God. I got to send you the more. trailer. It's like the, most, like the trailer almost like broke the internet. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, this that. is timely when this podcast comes out, but everyone has to see the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think it's called Bel-Air. Okay. And it's like in a way. Okay. If we all know the words of the song, you know, it's the right era. Yeah. Yes. Okay. For sure. Okay. We're not going to sing it. it. <laughs> Speaking we're of Will Smith, it. have you seen the trailer for Aladdin? The oh, live action? Yeah. Oh my God. It looks no. Are you amazing. not a little creeped yes. out no, by him? We don't It's Will Smith. Cable. Will Smith. It's Will Smith yeah. playing Aladdin. It's a live action, kind of like they did with Beauty and the Beast, okay. um, but it's Aladdin. I can show you the world. It's like yeah. it's like them on the carpet and doing the whole thing. The monkey's very cute. And yeah. it's very weird. It looks good. That sounds yeah. like weird. And but it's, no, it's it looks good. Yeah. Except Will Smith, Will Smith is the genie, which, which is who like is, what's his oh. name who passed away? Who's super Robin Williams? So mm. oh, good blessed right. memory. Right, right. Um, yeah, they're they're just the same <laughs> Robin Williams and. They're totally. <laughs> They're really alike. similar actors. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so what do you think is the difference in being a millennial, zenial mom? What do you think that means? Well, as somebody as a content marketer, like, what do you think? I first of all, I would say, like the the women I work with who are still millennials, yeah. having a child is so far a field to them. They're so career focused. Yeah, and also just like I don't know that they even first of all want children, which is cool, but like if they do have kids, they're going to push it mm-hmm. later and later and later. So what's like, the age of a, of a millennial? Cause I must have 80. moms that have babies that are millennials. Yeah. No, no yeah, like probably all of my patients are all of them are. No? That's why I, yeah, 80s, what, like I think 1981 is like the start of the okay. millennial generation. I but think it goes to like 96 yeah. maybe. I think it's, I think it's 92. So probably the vast majority maybe? of my yeah. patients. No, yeah, I think, I think it's moms. each a decade, right? So I think it's 80, 82 to 92 is when you're okay. That would make sense, right? Okay. So like young thirties. No? You're out. Yeah. Young, young thirties, yeah? Uh yes. Yes, very young thirties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're having kids. Yes. Yeah, of course that. they are. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm I guess I'm talking about the cusp of like the sort of Gen Z millennial, mm. like that again, the women. Eighty one to eighty four, let's call it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I just think they're thinking less about it. Yeah. At, at least from what I it just they're Did in you the, want to be a mom when you were younger? Oh yeah. Yeah, you've always wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I oh, also yeah. knew yeah. that I would probably have kids in my, th- I had kids in my thirties. Like yeah. it was just different, right? Were like, you having fun or were you, you were career focused? What did you say? I was having like both. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was fiercely career focused. Oh, okay. And, and also like just never met the right person. And then when I did, we had kids together. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, I wasn't really planning. When I think about it now, my mom had her fourth kid by the time she was my age and she had waited 10 years between them. So when I think Whoa. about women now and like someone oh, me like too. Dina also, yeah. I had my fourth at 34. Yeah. Well, she had her fourth at 37. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm already, I'm like second and I'm like, I'm already exhausted and feel too old for this. Mm. And I have to say like for women who have their first kid when they're 26, I had to pay them first of all, like like kneel down to them because it's amazing but it does interesting how like i feel like if i had my first kid at 26 i might have had a lot more energy and an ability to maybe parent even better because i'd just be more 
less tired all the time and i just think like i like i feel gray i feel your gray comment like amen like it is coming in hard right now and like i actually did an instagram story yesterday and i looked at myself i'm like i look fucking old man like i need to like where is dr andrea hirschhorn and so i can do my botox already like what am i waiting for with this breastfeeding bullshit like put the boob down so i can put the syringe in you know um that's what I, <laughs> but that's, that's <laughs> like the the trade-off right yeah. like you can have your kids when you're like 22 and that's cool if yeah. that works for you but yeah. first of all you're peers probably aren't which is also a factor your friends are having kids you kind of like you do gauge i mean it's hard not to but yeah i think your friendship like you ebb and flow with your crew you make a whole new groups of friends like all so many of my close friends i met when i was pregnant my first and many are quite a bit older than me like many of my good friends are five six seven years older than me i'm like the young end because i had my first when they were having their first or second or sometimes even later and yeah, I'm like a young person in that group. Yeah. Totally. No, yeah. and, and so that's a factor. Also, yeah. like, uh, you know, do you want to be a mom in your 20s when that's right. a time, like, I say to a lot of my friends, like, travel when you can, like, do the yeah, things. Say, because take, when take you have the, kids, you can't do all that stuff right. as easily. You yeah. can still do it, but it's It takes still- a tremendous amount of, like, I went to Vegas with my husband last month. Oh. And it was a tremendous amount of effort to go anywhere without my kids for we four days. We also went when she was four months old. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, we sleep trained her two weeks before we left. I'm like, and we had three people making sure that her schedule is okay. And then I moved my son to my parents' house. We had five adults to care of two kids, which I can usually do by myself. Like, I don't need anyone else except yeah. for me and my two kids. So it's remarkable to see um, how much thought goes into having to leave your children it's madness like (laughs) we uh for um my birthday which is also on christmas day it's like this whole wow you know there's a lot going on so my husband you know i really like um casey musgraves who's like a country singer but she's sort of become a little bit more poppy she won the grammy for album of the year i don't know if you've heard of her she's great but it's okay we trust Uh, you but um he tried to get tickets in Toronto for me at the Danforth Music Hall, but they were like, it was sold out and the tickets were like $700, $800, like out of control. So he booked, we he, he, he found a concert in Montreal, booked like a night in Montreal for cute. us to do this. Super Aww. cute. But the Husband logistics of, yeah. around this one night, yeah. like it's insane. It's exhausting. Yeah. And yeah. like we, we had a blast. It was great. But I'm yeah. like, let's just relax like it was yeah. almost like more work yeah in Catherine, some ways, that's what i said to my right? husband i was like what we didn't need to do was travel five hours in a plane class three time zones like well i'm pumping hand pumping like yeah. non-stop so i totally feel that going to montreal for a night yeah it still takes a tr- do you guys go yeah do you ever go away just the two of you we haven't we haven't since we had austin uh-huh because of breastfeeding really is the big thing i don't want to go away for one night if i want to go if i want to if we we go away which yeah. we will once i stop breastfeeding yeah i'd be like for four or five nights like i want to like go mm-hmm. away yeah like when when i was pregnant with austin we went away twice went to bermuda for a week a uh-huh. week four days five days something like that uh, yeah uh-huh. and uh we went to newfoundland for four or five days too mm-hmm. and we left the big ones and i'm, I'm happy to leave the kids but yeah. i don't want to leave and then come back and he's like done with breastfeeding that'll just be sad because it's yeah. my last and anyway he's happy with it i'm happy with it i don't want to fuck with it yeah but once i'm done breastfeeding hells yeah i want to go away like we are going Often. away two weeks every, in every couple Europe, months Andrew, yes. you may as well go away to, like, for go a while away. Yes. right so if you're gonna like, do it for like yes. three or four days at a time but like i just need to not yeah, yeah. be mom for 10 seconds i know it's so yeah. funny eh? it's like It's like this, I feel like it's constant battle of like trying to love every moment and like the magic, right? Like I just wrote about this yesterday, like just lapping up the magic with a fork and spoon and finding those moments when your toddler says, I love you. And they look in your, they stroke your hair. They want to kiss you on the mouth. Like trying to find those 
goodies because that's the 80 20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. Like any job, I love it 80% of the time, but 20%, no, I hate it 80% of the time, <laughs> but love it that 20%. And that mm-hmm. 20% has to be fucking awesome, yeah. you know? And yeah. it is fucking awesome. When your kid looks at you and they're like square in the face and they grab your cheeks, they're like, I love you, mommy. And you're like, oh my God, you just made this. I want to bottle this shit. You know? yeah. yeah. Like, and then, and then, and then the other time we're like, well, I still whip your ass and I'm, I'm thriving as a parent because you're alive and you might even be better than alive. You might be like a good person, right? Like that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Right. It's like, I don't care. My kids have terrible, terrible table manners or if they're, if they're, if they're dirty, but if they're a good person, you know, I've raised, raised what I call a mensch, like a real good human. Then to me, that's, that's all I'm trying to achieve. And it's okay that 80% of the time it really fucking sucks because that 20% of the time it's so yummy. You know, I could eat totally. it. Like you say, when I was, you say it early in one of our early podcasts, like when I was breastfeeding Essa, we have this like chemistry with the endorphins release. And I'm like, is that the magic that's undescribable between a mother and a child? Right. And like, we can't quit motherhood. You had to mom up and show up every day and I can try to run away. I keep trying to run away, <laughs> but I keep coming back, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not sitting in my car for another five minutes longer or trying to go to my, with my husband to Vegas and try to like recapture some part of our life. And what I come to, I think terms with is like, I'll never have the life that I once had, but I have this new, maybe somewhat improved life because I have this magic. Somewhat improved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit marginally improved. <laughs> It's what the rebel mama said, you know, like we're still party girls. We're just, co- we, we're, we're in bed at 10 o'clock, you know, yeah. you can't oh, yeah. change and who you And you can you pause are. it. It doesn't have to right. be like over, right? So right. you're saying before, like, you know, you have your kids later, but like get all your travel in or whatever. We did some travel before, had the kids trying to start thinking about traveling yeah. with them and taking them to interesting places. And then, then I'm going to travel again. So, totally. um, you know, it's obviously what works out for your own family, but yeah. you're saying that, and I'm thinking Austin was feeding tonight and I just got my hair cut. My hair was down. Usually it's up in a ponytail by now. And he was feeding and he was going like this with my hair, just like touching my hair yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. And he, it, it was so sweet and maybe the endorphin rush or whatever too, but it was just us and it was silent. I'm just sitting there in the dark and he's playing with my hair. And I was like, I never, ever, ever want this to be over, Right. but it will be, yeah. you know, he's going to get older and he's like, I'm with my hair and I'm not going to breastfeed him forever. Right. Similarly on Sunday, we're hanging out and the kids are running around. We're having dinner and, you know, it's always a bit chaotic. And I turn to Andrew and I go, when they're older, they move out. I am going to bawl my eyes out every day. We don't have this noise, <laughs> yeah. this level of chaos, you yeah. know? And it wasn't particularly chaotic. Our kids are pretty well behaved, but there was like the busyness around us, the, yeah. the people, the noise, the right. whatever. Um, I never want to not have kids at my house. Yeah. And just like, it's okay. They'll stay with us till they're 30. Don't worry. <laughs> Someone will be like, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that, worry about it. that's the, yeah. when it's interesting. I have a lot of friends now who are my age and have probably decided they don't want to have kids. And we right. talked about friendships and right. I'm not saying like suddenly they're not my friends, but you do lose common right. commonalities yeah. with them. Like your lives are so different. Right. And, you know, as much as sort of I complain about, yeah, my weekend wasn't spent doing like these awesome things like right. checking out restaurants or whatever. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, but like, it's the best thing ever having kids. And right. you'll never really know until you have your own. Right. Other people's kids are great. Your nieces, nephews, right. friends, it's kids. It's not the same. But no. it's not the same. No. For some reason, it's just not the same. And that's, every kid is different too. Right. Like, there's a totally. very much different relationship you have with each of your kids. Exactly. That's very unique. And that's um, what I say for me is like, I love, I love what we're doing and I love this podcast and I love creating community around motherhood because there is no sisterhood like motherhood. Like just because like we are all white women living in Toronto, it doesn't mean we necessarily have anything in common. Boom. You get hit by the Mack truck that's parenting. Now we got something in common that Mm -hmm. we can talk about, you know, for sure. We might have a million different ways in which we strategize about how we raise our children or beliefs or 
ethnic backgrounds, religious, religiosity, economic status, whatever it is. But when it comes to motherhood, there is no greater bond because it is so fucked. Like I say to Dina and I, it's something I've been thinking about a lot is like when I was in New York, I went there and I met some really, really interesting people. And this woman in New York who was so profound, she said, we suck at being beginners. Like New Yorkers suck at being beginners. You come to Manhattan, 8 million people on this small island, they are all really good at probably something. And it made me think about women I know and about being a Canadian living in Toronto and being like a, um, a, a woman who once was extremely career ambitious. And now I'm like, I still am obviously very ambitious, but it's a different sort of ambition. So we're not good at being beginners. I would say as a, as a requisite, what do you think about that? I mean, you work in a, a major news media working on super cool content, probably having to speak the language of many uh, people who would be potential customers. Like we suck at being beginners. It's a new dawn of a new day for, for motherhood. Mm-hmm. Go. I mean, yeah, the first, your first child, like having that first one, I mean, once you have a second, you feel like you're a pro, right? right. At everything. At infant care. Yeah. You like, people ask you questions you feel like you know every like mm. what products to buy mm. like you're the master like but that first it's like planning a wedding everyone becomes a wedding planner totally yeah. totally i i have to say though i i have benefited from being so i'm sort of the youngest of my family my mm. husband's the youngest of his family we have these like role models like we both have older siblings with kids yeah um so we in some ways have been able to sort of pick and choose the parenting styles we've gotten a lot of good advice like my sister was very who's three kids doctor like super able to kind of balance it all the other day even she said to me she's like we have a nanny that we share and she's just like get her to come over once a week to help you get chef's plate or order meal service like these are ways just to cope like she gives me these little bits of advice that she's had to struggle through because it is hard to you never really balance everything but uh no i mean that first the first time like being a beginner like starting that it's terrifying in a lot of ways but um, it's also kind of nice, like not knowing too. Right. Like I didn't find out the sex of my baby. Like I love the kind of mystery around all of it. Right. Um, and not really knowing what your child's personality is going to be like. That's kind of fun too. Yeah. Even my little baby girl, like she's going to be very different than my son. Who's very like, he likes all the attention and she's just like, She's just happy and chill, like a little potato. Like yeah. she's just it's she called rolls. neglect. We all just sort of neglected. It's called neglect. After the first I what I'm seeing is happening now with all my friends having second and third and second and you can tell me if this has been your experience or yours, Catherine, is that I find what happens is that you have your first and you give them everything you can and then like the training wheels fall off and you're like, okay, I'm not a beginner anymore. But then you have your second kid, but your first kid is presenting all sorts of new challenges (laughs) because toddlers are no fucking handbook like at all. And you're like, what the fuck is this shit? Why isn't somebody telling me that this is the worst ever? Uh, And a newborn ship is like, it's hard, but nothing like toddlership. But what happens is that you ended up giving in to all of your toddlers demands because you feel so guilty about the fact you had a second kid and there's a baby (laughs) around. So you're just like, making all sorts of problems in the house. That's what I'm finding at least. And I'm like, Oh, I got to rein this in right now. Like we got to stop doing. And I realized I was telling Dina a while ago that we were having some issue with screen time, but the screens only showed up when Essa was born. We're like, when the baby was born is when the screen showed up, you know? And that's when the behavior stuff has started is when the next kid showed up. So is it cause you're two or is it because there's a new life in the, and right. we're sort of giving in. So it's interesting navigating. What do you think? Yeah. To- I mean, it's, uh, there's a bit of guilt there. I mean, I went back to work early. Like I didn't spend as much time with my daughter. It's like, 
I don't know. But I also just think like the second child, I'm a third child, man. Like yeah. I don't want to say I was totally neglected or anything, <laughs> but like I just kind of, I, I benefited again from like yeah. having older siblings yeah. and just like, I, I kind of learned. And in some ways you get away with a little bit more. Yeah. I think out of all my siblings who are great, I love, we're very close, but like I had a lot of fun yeah. and I don't want to say it's because my parents didn't care. They did. Right. But I just didn't have the same pressure on me. Like, like get married and have kids. My sister, yeah. I, I feel for her in some ways because she's sort of the, prototypical type a super smart like super driven but like she would probably admit in high school she didn't have a lot of fun in mm. university she she was very driven and looking back was probably like i did, probably didn't have to be so stressed about everything she took right. everything very seriously um is she so, more of a fun mom now do you find i think so she cut loose more and as she an married adult? a re- really fun guy that <laughs> helped That's but awesome. like i think one of my things I was very conscious about when I was pregnant, even now, is yeah. like, I don't want to say I'm like super easygoing. I think I'm pretty disciplined as a parent in terms of rules and stuff, but like, I wasn't super neurotic about things when I was pregnant because I'm yeah. like, I don't want the vibes to infiltrate right. my baby. Like, I just, I, I saw nervous moms and I was like, I don't want a nervous kid. Right. Like, someone who's like really clingy. And, right. and I'm not saying that my mood or emotion contributed to my kid being pretty easygoing, but. I was oh. very like, yes, that's exactly why. But also I think it's that you're also a chill person in, in general, right? <clears throat> when Maybe I see, when I see a new family walking down the hall to see me with their newborn, I can tell you with pretty good certainty what their kid is going to be like personality wise later. Is that and so? And also, are they going to be more colicky? Are they going to be kind of more fussy? Because the parents that are super stressed, walk up with their shoulders really tight, they're late, they're fuddling around, they're dropping things, they're just super duper stressed. And you can see it all over them that they're super stressed. And they, they do tend to have kind of more stressed out kids, um, even from the get-go. Existence. And I don't know if it, it's is, it, is it, yeah, is it nature versus nurture or both, right? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think all those hormones are probably not great for the baby. How was your, how was your but birth? But it's also, your it's also nature, is. right? What's your birth story is like? Um, straightforward. First of all, I just want to say thank yeah. you for confirming all the things yeah, in my mind. Yes, but it's as true. a doctor, that it yeah. means there's a lot. definitely there's definitely something there's, to that. There's a, there's yeah. a correlation, right? Yeah, but of yeah. course, like if you're a super anxious person, you're more likely to have a child that's super anxious too, right? Just from a nature perspective. But if you're also super helicoptery and you know on top of your kids all the time, and you're you don't give them as much independence, and you don't let them try things and fail and whatever, I think those kids also tend to be a bit more anxious as well. But here's the thing that gets me a little confused because like I'm not like super easy going like chill i'm also like i the the style of parenting where you don't discipline your kid and your kid that freaks me out too because i'm like kids need rules kids want boundaries and discipline seems to be like in sh- short supply these days with a lot of parents like when i see someone like yelling at their kid and disciplining i'm like good for you because it's actually really hard it's really easy sometimes just to like give your kid the iPad and we've all done it. Like just shut up and hear, but like to actually, you know, give them a real time out, like to actually put in the work of discipline is exhausting, but, but it's also easier. So I say this to families all the time that people like, I call it the no, no, no. Okay. Fine. Phenomenon. We are like, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, do that. Oh, screw it. Here's the damn iPad or whatever. Here's the cookie or don't eat your dinner. Here's whatever food it is. It's easier in the moment to give out to give in and let them decide. Right. 
but it's way harder tomorrow, the next day, every other month and year coming forward until you're consistent and predictable with your parenting. But it's harder to be consistent and predictable every single time. Right. It takes work. It takes right. a tremendous amount of work. work. Right. And no one's perfect at this. Like everyone, no. everyone, everyone does no. not okay fine sometimes. We're all, every time we get tested, like my husband and I are like allied front. We have, we can't be like, I don't want to be the soft one. He doesn't right. always want to be the hard one. So it's like, if someone makes a decision, we go and we like tag team it. Like we've, we've, We've seen all the different parenting styles and like we've committed to it. Obviously, it doesn't always work, but like that takes a lot of energy. So when I say I'm like laid back, like I'm I'm not in that way, but mm. I'm like I just also know like the nervous like hovery is just like not I don't want my kids to be anxious all the time. Yeah. There's enough anxiety, right? With like all the other stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear your yeah. birth story. Oh. I'm curious. With my first, yeah. um, Sunnybrook Hospital, yeah. which was great. I loved my uh, doctor. She was really, she was great. She was very like serious at first and I couldn't quite read her, but um, it was getting close to when I was due. And I remember saying to her like near the end being like, okay, I want an epidural. Where do I put my name? Like sign me up on the list. Like yeah. I want it clear. Like I want the drugs. And she looked at me and she's very seriously and she's like, Oh, you had to tell me about that like a month ago. Again. <laughs> and I like I had that flutter in my heart oh, no. and she bursts out laughing. She's like, no, nah, just joking. We've got like anesthesiologists 24 seven. Like it's all good. Like I just love she knew that uh-huh. I have a good sense of humor, but right. she really got me. Um, so with Wes, my son, it was a long, like long labor and yeah. it ended up being sort of an emergency forceps delivery right. he had bruising it was a bit traumatic i'd yeah. have to say like by the end because they were saying it might be a c-section that sort of thing um it all worked out well it was all good um with my daughter it was like it was amazing so it was like not like it was such a horrifying experience the first time but with kit my mm-hmm. daughter um i remember uh my water broke and like I went to my sister's that morning and I was like sitting in her kitchen because I knew like I didn't have to be rushed to the hospital. There's this idea uh-huh. if your water breaks, it's like, get me to the, yeah. you know, and I was like having breakfast. And then Chris and I, my husband went to the hospital. His sister happened to be at Sunnybrook do, at an appointment. So we had lunch together. I had my iPad full of like Netflix stuff. I knew that the uh-huh. Wi-Fi at the hospital really sucked. So uh-huh. I had my shows, got on the drugs. And when it was time to push, um, the doctor said, push. I pushed once. He said, slow down. And she was out. And it was like, she was there. And it was a little girl. Uh And it was like, honestly, the best. Like, it was just so ridiculously, I don't say easy, but just like. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful birth story. She's such an, and if you know my daughter now, like, she's just such a sweet, easy, happy child. And kind of connects back to the experience that's beautiful yeah yeah i think all these things matter i mean that's my point is like i think every step actually matters and i think it matters i don't know you know what do you think yeah i mean i think there's only so much you can control too right right um a lot of people that are very chill have really terrible deliveries or emergency c-sections and all sorts of stress i've had both yeah 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 i I think that part unfortunately can't really control so much yeah yeah it's out of your control yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, baby wants to come the way they want to come in some right. ways. I mean, I think we've spoken about this a bit that we should have a whole, whole podcast on this, but intervention, no intervention, etc. Yeah, but uh, yeah, some things don't go. I mean, there's millions of women that still die in childbirth. 
in the world. I can't still. hear that. Ugh, that makes me sick. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, like we we're always going to have hospital births like that. And yeah. that's a decision. That's a personal decision. Yeah. But I have to say with Wes, my first, like, uh, when it got to the point where it was like he wasn't turning properly and you know you're so like I was so drugged out in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but I remember just thinking like I'm glad I'm at the hospital I'm glad I'm at Sunnybrook great hospital I was like 100% trust like like there was no yeah you're so vulnerable you need to be like I was just really pleased to be there when I was in suddenly an operating Mm -hmm. room with these bright lights and there's like 12 people working on me I'm like this is I'm happy I'm here like it just that kind of reassured me like there was never any issue that things wouldn't work out yeah it's just a little more traumatic than maybe i expected right Ugh. at least it didn't have being surgery right right yeah. forceps nice. is nothing like a c-section yeah yeah, yeah. that and as long as baby comes out healthy like mom yeah yeah 10 fingers 10 toes everyone exactly. together. that's exactly. all that matters mm-hmm. but i think it's it's important what you're saying but like the trust and feeling confident in the team right whether that's a home birth or uh-huh. wherever wherever you might be delivering but i think you're right you know whether you have a an amazing doula next to you or a midwife or doctor, yeah. friends, families, whoever's there that makes you feel confident. That's, that's the best. Yes. What are you excited for right now, Catherine? Like in life in general, work, home, family. Excited for? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean. Like what's I, cool in, in, I don't know, in work. And I'm thinking about media. You're like sort of in the media. Oh, sort of this, or, or like in your personal life also, if there's something. What's cool. Yeah. Um, or what are you excited about? What's like, what's getting you ticking? On the work ticking? side? I feel like I've been given some really neat opportunities. Like I, um, I was out in Banff last month for this like, uh, brand conference, like Uh really cool. So I was interviewing people from like Marvel entertainment and, um, Yeti, they make the the cooler, like just getting these like access to really cool people. And I'm going to the Cannes creative festival in a couple months in France, which is like, I don't know, just who'd have thought, that this role would open so many, just these like neat experiences. Yeah. So like on that side, it's pretty cool because I'm suddenly like more senior in my mm-hmm. role. So I get more opportunities to hear that person in the office. I'm that person with though. the kids. Yeah. That people ask your <laughs> advice. Old lady, let her go. Um, so that's in the, on the work side. Yeah. Uh, that's really exciting. And then like personally, like just my, my son is like really starting to be like quite fun and, yeah. Halloween and Christmas this year were amazing and he was only two so I'm like it's only gonna get better like Uh he's obsessed with Halloween for his birthday in May he wants to have a Frankenstein themed birthday Uh like he just he's obsessed with like scary things and he he loves listening to Christmas music in like April or March like it's just fun it's like life is really fun right now like they, they, I, they I don't know getting, they keep getting more fun I mean there ends up being more stresses too like socially as they get older too and academically whatever but uh, but it does definitely just get more fun as, as kids get older. Like you'll see a difference between three, four. Like they're people. Like my kids are people yeah. now. Like yeah. actual, you can have a conversation with them. You can like read actual books with them. You can watch cool movies with them, yeah. and they can have insight into that from their own little kid brain. Yeah. It does get more fun. Yeah, like babyhood is amazing, but kids are also really kidhood cool. is awesome. As, as they get older, there's just like new experiences. Cool. Yeah, and I'm not saying like I want to be his best friend. We're gonna be best friends. <laughs> you know, like I'm still his mother. Yeah, but I'm like we're going to read Harry Potter together. Like these things I'm like, cause I'm still a kid. As I say, like sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm like, wait, but that doesn't translate. Like, so getting to kind of re-experience these things and, and seeing uh, my daughter, she's sort of starting to be a little bit more of a, 
I don't want to say like a person. She's always been a person, but like less of a baby, mm-hmm. more like, you know, drumming on things and just like, yeah, it's fun. It's funny. I feel like I'm at this crossroads right now with my two kids. I also have a son and a daughter, similar age, two and a half and newborn or maybe now not a newborn. It's like exactly that. I don't want to wish away anything. Oh no, you, know? you don't. But I'm sort of rushing it. You know, like I'm sort of like, I will love you and I want to sniff you and Oh, you have to start solids next week. I really don't want to start solids next week. I'm like, fuck, I had to start solids next week. Right <laughs> now you just smell like the sweetest breast milk on your fucking breath and you don't have teeth yet. And I'm loving this. And then the dentist today is like, I'm going to give you toothbrush for your kid. I'm like, she doesn't have teeth yet, but I can't wait for her to have teeth. I actually can't wait for her to be 18. Oh my God. We need to start saving for dentistry. That's my <laughs> thought today. It's like zoom in, zoom out. I can't help yeah. it. It's like this constant zooming in and out where I'm trying to like love the moment, but I cannot wait to have teenagers, you know? And then at the same time, I'm like, I do not want to have you are having a chastity belt, all of you. <laughs> and I'm going to smoke you up for the first time. So you have the drugs are safe and I know that they're good. And like all those things, you know? So you'll be like I the Amy thinking. Poehler uh, character in Mean Girls. So she has the Cosmos. Yeah. She's like, I want you guys to be safe and like drink. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to drink, house. you may yeah. as well. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I was yes. thinking this weekend, I was just lying there and, and thinking um, as I was trying to fall asleep, I don't really remember what my older kids were like when they were Austin's age, like Austin's 19 months now. And like, I was so in it. I'm always trying so hard, like you're saying, to be so present. Yeah. And I write in a lot of notes and I keep a journal. Oh yeah, you're very, very, very good at that. Because I feel like it's so good. And we, and I've, thousands of video and thousands of pictures that like, I'll never really go back to that video again when like, I'll go back and be like, what was Dylan like at 18 months? But in the moment I'm trying to be so present, but then it's gone. Yeah. It's just so gone. Like it's so great to be able to have like video like we do. Yeah. Can you imagine like a hundred years ago or whatever when people had no video or then the pictures were terrible? How do they in any way remember what that was like? Maybe they remember more because they weren't. Do you have videos phones? of yourself as a kid? Yeah. Do you? I haven't That's seen it? them though in like yeah. years, but my parents did take. Yeah. yeah. Do you have? We, my dad, we, we lived in Saskatoon for like nine years. I was like three at the time, but my dad would set up a, like the big VHS or Betamax video camera on the tripod, honestly, every night. Yeah. Because I think my sibling, like my sister and brother always did these like performances. (laughs) My brother especially would like dress up like Prince or Michael Jackson and dance around. I'd be like in my diaper floating around. (laughs) Um, but we don't really watch them. We should. It's funny. My brother just digitized. My parents just had their 50th wedding anniversary. So my fa- my brother went through every, spent hours and hours. That's amazing. So my brother was very techie when he was like, uh, between ages like seven and st- still. And my parents had access to early technology. So it's interesting because I feel like we, as millennials, what's interesting is we actually have a lot of digital memory ourselves. Mm. And I often think now about how much digital memory I'm creating for my own kids. Each of my kids have an Instagram account. I take pictures of them every single day as part of photojournalism. I write them emails, like they each have an email account. And like I sometimes say to my sister, because there was so much footage of us, because there's 12 years between my brother and I. So we were the subject matter of his experimenting with videography that when I watch things now I don't actually know if I have a memory or if it was a video mm. so like I actually don't like I was thinking recently like my son is talking now and he's memorizing things so this morning he's like in the car to daycare he's two and a half he's like can we go to Florida today so he remembers being in Florida like now that he's talking and I'm like I have very early memories of Florida also but do I or was that a video <laughs> like I actually don't know so I wonder how much our kids are going to think that we're actually their real honest to God memories. And my husband's quite a bit older than me. And I say to him, like, well, do you have, do you remember your first memory as a kid? And he's like, yes, I do. And then I read this article recently. It was actually relevant to the Holocaust. But <laughs> the, the point was that <laughs> most memories for kids, it's trauma. Like they're trauma memories. They're not necessarily like a lot of memories are first formed from a traumatic experience, because which might be memories, something. Memories get implanted based on emotions. So right. So it, usually it's a strong emotion of some sort. Right. So often when they're saying trauma, it could be any Anything like 
I lost my stuffed animal or yeah. something or that like getting hurt, getting oh, hurt right. or falling yeah. down the stairs or like, you know, you know, it's funny. I never thought about that. But my right. first my earliest memory that I can remember was trauma related, but I didn't ever think about it as being trauma related. My older brothers, my older brothers are five years and 10 years older than me. And they went to a camp called Camp Massad. And every year they would get together in Montreal, like all these different families and put on roller skate and go to like a roller skating place. Okay. And I must've been about four years old or so. And I remember the very first memory I have is like skating around as like a f- my four year old self watching my brothers and being like in awe. Cause they were like these cool big boys that had like these cool big boy friends. Um, but I fell mm. and I cut my knee mm-hmm. and I had no idea w- until this second yes. why that's my first memory. Yeah. It's cause I freaking fell and cut yeah, my knee it and it was traumatic. nothing. It was like the most minor of traumas. Well, that's what but they- that is part of my like two minute memory of that whole experience. So Dita, the reason it's irrelevant to Holocaust survivors is I was reading an article about Holocaust survivors and they were t- saying is how does a Holocaust, how does, do you remember your seven year old self? Do you remember anything about being seven? How does a child Holocaust survivor remember anything? It's because their entire experience was traumatic. Yes. So they actually, it's so deeply seeded oh. all the memories because if you actually ask a four-year-old, like when you're 18 to ask a four-year-old or a 75-year-old, what was your four-year-old experience? They probably don't remember. Mm-hmm. But because every moment of living that life at that time was trauma, mm-hmm. they actually, yeah, it it's actually sense. a genuine memory. Sense. And they yeah. didn't have video cameras. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. somebody following them right. around with the, with the beta backs it were, yeah. or a fucking I smartphone. I feel like my parents pull back up our video from when we were kids. Anyways, I, I suggest I anyone, if you have the footage and you're yeah. listening, look back it's been a really nice thing and i've been like looking at videos of myself and what's interesting which made me think about things in general which is something i'm just thinking about and i espouse a lot of things that i just think about on this podcast but like we i take things in 15 second clips of my kids because that's instagram like Mm -hmm. i just do things in 15 second clips and when i watch the videos of myself and my one of my siblings and my family they just let the vcr go right it was hours right right and we caught those little moments so now i'm letting things go for i mean on my smartphone like for four or five or six minutes because i just want to capture what is ever happening and my husband keeps saying to me like don't you want to capture just like look at with your eyes not through your phone i'm like but i but i want to have those sweet cookie moments and i think for me it's that desperate um want to sort of relive those moments yeah. you know so and, anyways. And, like i think even as much as you're in those moments at that time yeah that moment is gonna be gone and yeah not that you have to capture every moment on a video you don't or a photo right but it will be gone i mean so live in it for a couple seconds right and then grab your phone i know <laughs> i know it's true but i think part of it, i've been selling my house i've been living in my parents house and my parents have always been collectors of mediums right so like i'm in their house now and they've thousands of dvds and they have hundreds of, of of beta beta videos and lots of vhs and it's all family memories and even cassette tapes like i i, I did an instagram live this week of me just playing cassette so i guess the song and like trying to figure out how to like use a cassette player like because i couldn't remember how to do it even though i grew up right. with it it's a technology i don't remember how to like that it ticks and you answer rewind it was a whole walkman's baby walkmans. walkman's like we had those things but walkmans, they it's like, amazing well, how much yeah. the, the like, thing the strap like how <laughs> open up and I remember like, I remember when people had, um, like as the technology gets smarter and smarter and, and anyways, it just, it's so interesting to me. I don't know. You tell me you live in, you live and breathe this stuff professionally. Well, so. it's a good, this is an interesting topic as a parent too, yeah. because I mean, uh, I think we all capture a lot of footage of our children, yeah. photos, video sounds, but where I kind of have had a bit of a like, crisis yeah. is around what to post in the public sphere so, because yeah. go there yeah um as a m- new mom like yeah like my instagram you can basically tell when i went from like being pregnant to ha- being a mom because suddenly my instagram just totally shifted mm. to it's just my kids now mm. like you can just look back and 
from an identity perspective, that was a bit weird because mm-hmm. suddenly, like, do I post things about like my work? Like, I really had that conscious, like, okay, so I guess this is sort of like me, my children's this Instagram is me now. now, yeah. But also, like, I've really pared back about what I post. I post so infrequently now to Instagram yeah. because um, I don't know. More and more, like, oversharing has dr- driven me a little cuckoo okay, and i'm yeah. in the space like i like i'm a believer like i use instagram like i i use these tools right. but like i also am very aware of the like mental health side i think my sister's a child psychiatrist like we're always talking about this like when someone posts something how do you feel about that like right. when you see that are you jealous are you feeling like your life sucks like right these are all things that even when i pull up instagram now i'm like if i feel like crappy within like a minute i'm i'm out right like so that's something that I've been really like thinking about lately with the digital detox. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just po- posting stuff about my children, how right. great my life is. And I just like, I yeah. don't know that I need to do that. Like I feel like I have a great life. Do I need to publicly, uh, do I need all the likes? But then right. I, on the flip side, I'm like, people just sometimes just want to see your kids. They right. want to, your cousin out and wherever right. just wants to see, see how they're doing. You know, so right, it's like yeah. I'm always just I'm very conscious about what I put Catherine, out. Catherine, I think about that a lot. Also, I have to be honest. What happened was I had a few friends who were very, very close, part of my like niche closest girlfriends, and I was all of a sudden when I got married and I had kids, I feel like I my life just was pedal to the metal, and it wasn't that I was leaving them behind. Just that I, it excelled it excelled in such a fast way that I made a conscious effort to say, okay, not everyone wants to see my kids. If you want to opt in seeing my kids, I'm creating Facebook accounts or Instagram accounts for my kids. If you want to see, that's where I'll post them. If you're a fan of my kids and you want to see kids and you want to see daily spam of my babes, come there. But I'm hyper conscious that there's other elements of my life, and we are huge foodies, and I'm huge in the event scene, mm-hmm. and I do like to capture my life outside and beyond my kids. So my personal account is like a smattering of my kids, but a lot of like the stuff that I do that I just think is also fun and funny and interesting. But if you want to see my kids every day, they have dedicated accounts for that photojournalism. And that was a very intentional totally. decision for me. And yeah. you like you put the work in to have those different channels. I do. Like, I do. It takes that, a tremendous amount of work. That's you know, like just res- talking about this. respect. I'm yeah. like, I just can't even imagine the volume of that. Yeah. But like. I do think it is something like the. I've even noticed like some of the friends I've had, like based on how they post on social, like I like them a little less. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. a weird social yeah. media. I, I have the same thing. Actually. Yeah. I have the exact same feeling. I feel like um, Instagram also often, and that particular social medium makes me aggravated as equal to how much it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I often open it and close it really quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it only takes two or three pictures and I'm like, it's annoying because I feel like it's a very skewed version of people's lives and yeah. a skewed version of, of what they're projecting. 100%. Um, I, I have uh, a couple of friends that are going through a hard time and they're they're probably getting it divorced. And maybe, maybe in a week or two before I found out that they posted a picture with their family and their children and they were happy and they were on a vacation. And, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Great. Maybe things are better for them. And then literally two weeks later, I found out they were getting divorced. And I was like, this is such incredible bullshit. Like, it's not like you decided to get divorced in two weeks. You obviously were having issues. And it's so great that you went away as a family to try to reconnect, like, amazing. But what you posted, everyone else that maybe wasn't in such a great place was, like, hopefully happy for them but maybe also not feeling great about themselves and their relationship. And then, but really it was a facade. It's bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit on, on Instagram. People show their, the most positive side of themselves, which is great and uplifting for some, but also can also make you feel pretty shitty if you're not in that same great, perfect space. 
So totally. it's hard. Yeah. And it's hard for kids. I mean, it's, it's a big thing. You're talking about, you know, child psychiatrist sister, but it's, it's hard. I mean, social media has really fucked up a lot of kids yeah. feeling left out, you know, bullying. Oh my God. I just saw that play. Getting... Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, Do yeah. not see that play. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I heard it's really Dina, disturbing. It's very disturbing. I and I did not know the plot. I just, oh. I just thought it was going to be a fun, cool play. It's, it's pretty current though, right? Like it's in the sense so of, current yeah. and the teen suicide and kid suicide and parenting discourse to me was too much. I was like, Oh, I just need a mental release. Let's just go see this play. And I was like, I don't want Elias to grow up. I'm going to keep him in a bubble forever. And S is never leaving the house. That's yeah. what I like. like that's legit. Something that keeps me up a little yeah. bit like that. I get worried about. I mean, I know I'm in the stage where my children don't have phones, but like they know about iPads and like they will learn about this stuff eventually. Yeah. And it's just like, how as a parent, I do Protect still post them. on yeah. social once in a while, but I'm like so conscious about it. I'll even talk to my husband like, should I post this? Like, it's just, I don't want to be seen as that person that's like all her photos, like her life is so great. Yeah. But I'm not also not going to post photos when I'm down. Well, like, no one yeah. does. Well, that's the no whole one thing. Does. Yeah. No one's like, oh my God. I'm like, And that's the weird thing is if you see a downtrodden <laughs> social media post or somebody is writing something like, I'm having a sad day today. Like no one's like... I. It's weird. And people who are actually people mentally unwell, it, but some they people are will. the ones who are like going on being then like, they're DMing yeah. it like, are you okay? Yeah. Yes. Like that's, you know, it's, I think it's hard because I think you're right. I think when someone's having a really terrible day, they're not like, Hey everybody, I'm having a really shitty day. I just want to tell you about my crap but maybe, day. But maybe they'll get great support if they do do that. And maybe that's great for them too. I don't know. It's hard. It's I mean, I also really post lovely things. I post like happy things. I'm not going to post like, my, right. my kids are having temper tantrum here. Though some people do that too. Yeah. But in the moment, I'm not like, yes, grab my phone. I want a video. My kid having a temper tantrum. And it was hard. It's, it's a hard balance. And no, yeah. I don't think there's any great answer for it. I think yeah. I think not giving kids to kids screens early is very, very important. I'm passionate about that. I think kids are getting far too much screen. Uh, you know, my eight-year-old friends, some of them have their own phones, their own accounts. They have phones in their bedrooms and they're doing what they want on YouTube and social media and stuff. That scares the shit out of me. Mm. No one can convince me that that's a good idea. It is not a good idea. Yeah. But people feel like, well, we're moving towards, you know, very screen-based society and social media-based society. I just don't think our eight-year-old should be doing that, personally. I wonder what's going to be like the next medium. Like Instagram wasn't around even five years ago. Yes. So I see you. Uh-oh. ICQ, right? Oh, oh that's a good Uh-oh. one. That's yeah. Yeah. You guys know about ICQ. So yeah. we're all the same. I use ICQ and my, my dad got his first computer, which he got from for work, but like I'd play on. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in like grade seven or eight. Yeah, same. I think it was around then. Yeah. And it was like work. It was a work yeah. computer, but like, uh-oh, it was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the same time and as then like... And then MSN Messenger me. a couple of years later. That's yeah. how that's like how chat evolved, rooms? I think. Do you ever with your friends go into chat rooms? I wasn't into that. And I wasn't into like... Square, no, Squarespace, not Squarespace. What's the space thing? People have their own page. Oh, MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. I never did MySpace. No, I wasn't that, so into social media That was a very, then. that came and went pretty quick. <laughs> yes. I just remember. But that was our vintage though, I think. You know what yeah. I remember though? Yeah. As I remember, my best friends lived uh, like in different cities than me from sleepaway camp and getting phone bills, like very expensive oh. long distance <laughs> bills where me and my best friend would just like literally watch TV together like <laughs> for six hours. My father would be like, why are you calling Hamilton? I'm like, it's only 45 minutes away. He's like, the bill was $3,000 from you. Like when long distance was a thing, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Long distance phone bills. Cordless phones. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Did you have your own phone line like versus your siblings? We, came, we had four phone lines in the house. Yeah, my dad worked yeah. with with the kids line. And then we had like the home line and then my dad has office line and then we had a fax line. So, and we still have those like Meridian phone systems like this in every room my parents has and you can page be like, because feature one is like, 
dad come to the kitchen come to the kitchen dad and we used to like we still to this day we, my parents have every intercom now they have google homes in like every room right. versus and they, just text pick up your phone and no text they'll be dad. like hey, it'll be like somebody bring mom a water like it's like that sort of thing so i mean I know, remember when early people adapters. Would, would call the house, like occasionally, like a boy would call for my sister, like very occasionally, and like the phone would ring, Susan, it's a boy. <laughs> like we'd yell it. Like it's just funny. That and other really... other siblings could pick up and like listen to your phone call. <laughs> oh my God, I remember like, that? But you kind of sort of hear it a little bit, but you'd be like, you couldn't really tell. I had a little sister who was still my best friend and we still have the exact same relationship. I'd be like on the phone, I'd be like, Elise, I can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you breathing. Hit the phone. She's like, I'm, and she's like, I'm not on the phone. <laughs> I'm like, and you have that little, <laughs> that little, little, like whatever it is. Or when people used to three-way mean girl call each other. I was a victim of three-way calling at least once. It was devastating. Oh. So it was really bad. They're like, so you don't like this guy? And I was like, no, I like him. He's like, see, Andrew, I told you that she liked. I was like, <gasps> it was devastating. Eighth grade. No, him. They yeah. called oh. him. It was really bad. <laughs> what a cunt that bitch is. I hope you're listening. Yeah, those mm. words. Mm. <laughs> Um, I think it was like grade eight when I got my own line because I didn't want my brothers listening. Or there was no kids line. It was like Dina's line and the rest of the family's <laughs> line. I wanted to have like my boy conversations in peace. Oh, <laughs> I wish I had that. Um, well, it was super nice knowing you. Thanks for <laughs> nice coming. Sayonara. Thanks for usually say. Um, <laughs> any, final, to you again. any final wisdom you want to share with final our people? Final wisdom. Any words of your you know, the elder millennial uh, the in the office. office. The elder millennial. What are you telling your young, younger generational millennials? I don't know. What's your I parenting mean, advice, your career advice? What do you want people to know? You're a serious mom boss, by the way. I'm and you're super cool, Catherine. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks. I don't know, man. I think being a parent's probably the coolest thing ever. Um, That's good but to hear. Like, I think you can still be yourself. Um, I would say like one of the things that I've kind of learned is like, I've, I've, I've lost myself a little bit over the last couple of years just because you literally like don't have time to do some of those things, but you start realizing you can get back to yourself and also be a great parent. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important too, to show your kids that you can still, you know, we can still work. You can still have passions or hobbies or play sports and friends. I think it's all good and kids are pretty resilient and I think they'll, um, pick up on that, you know? So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Do it. Be a parent. That's awesome. When, when you you're ready. When, when you're ready. When you're ready. <laughs> and if you want to. And if you want to. Don't, kids don't let anyone to. force you to do it if you're not <laughs> into it. And if you're not into it, don't do it. That's what I have to say. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Find a niece or a nephew to hang out with or get a dog. Totes. Yeah. Fact, and that's cool, too. If you don't want to do it. Work, but you should have a passion for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's yeah. a very, the right very good advice. Like anything. Yes. Trying to find the right person is very crucial. What did you learn today, Dr. D? Uh, <laughs> what I learn? I don't know. No pressure. No pressure. I wish you'd think through this because you always ask me this. Oh, no, I ask you every single end of podcast. What did you learn today? I mean, the Holocaust thing. Yeah, right. The memories thing. Yeah. You're welcome, Dina. Because I knew High that. School Dr. Dina. But I never really knew That's, it for my own personal memory. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. They didn't take a dark turn. It was a, It was about memories. We're talking about yes, memories. I got it. I got yeah. it. Yeah. What did you learn? No, I love the idea of the elder millennial because <laughs> I think I'm exactly that. I'm like, I'm the cool mom. I'm like the cool mom. I'm like, I'm like the mother hen of all the cool moms. That's why I'm like, I'm like here for the people, by the people. I represent all millennial mommies. That's how I feel. And then I'm like, am I really a millennial mom? Because you feel like you I, represent all millennial moms? I feel like <laughs> sometimes... You're like a white Jewish girl. I know, no. <laughs> I'm I sure mean, a lot of other people would not feel like you represent no, all millennial moms. No, I think that when I'm 
speaking in media or something happens around some conversations that are a little controversial, I'm like, let the girls have their eating cake, eat, like have their cake and eat it too. I feel like I'm often the voice and have, their, people. And have their wine, and have their wine. Like don't judge someone for having a glass of wine. Yeah. Don't judge someone for wanting to smoke some pot. Don't yeah. judge a woman for like, if, when I go with my mom friends, Dina, like when I go with my mom friends, we went out last Thursday, we like mommed out at nine 30. So fucking hard. We were like at EFS at like a nightclub and we're the hardest ones dancing. Oh my God. Can I tell you a story? I have to tell the story. Someone has to hear it. Cause I haven't told anybody. I told Matt, my husband, he did not think it was a good story, but I have to tell you guys. So we went, ended up going out to like five different places on King street oh my gosh. by like nine 30. It was insane. And we ended up, you started at like six. It always started at seven 30. <laughs> the lights are and by on nine o'clock. We were like literally <laughs> dancing at like, by 10 o'clock, we were dancing at a bar that apparently is a big pickup bar, but no one knew that except for one person. So she took us there and we were like dancing, having so much fun. And I literally was like, I'm going to dance. Did I tell you this story, Andrew? I was like, oh, I'm, I think I thought I told you this. I was dancing like, like ridiculous. Like I was just like, I'm going to do pirouettes and like plies. And we we're just being so silly. Are you drunk? Yeah, I was drunk and I had vape pen. Like it was a great night. Okay. So I'm literally doing pirouettes and like plies and like, Inner, like inner child, like my eighth, like my eighth grade, like dance lesson type stuff. And the girls were laughing so hard at me. So we go outside and we're like waiting for this Uber and this like hot brown guy comes up to me. He's like, I have to tell you, your dancing was so confident that I just like, I'm just going to do it. Can I have your number? And I was like, <gasps> like looking behind me, like me, you want my number? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just thought you were like so cool and confident. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so not available, but you made my fucking life. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, let's just take a photo of us and I'll send it to you on Instagram so you remember who I am. And I was like, why did that happen? Why? Because I forgot. I told him, like, I have a sister who's exactly like me, who's really cool and really hot and very single. And I, he wanted me to take the photo of us to show her. So then all of a sudden I got a DM on Instagram and Facebook and it was me and this like hot brown guy. I have proof. I will show you. Um, Anyways, and you sent it to Lise? I sent it to Lise. I'm like, this is your future husband. And she's like, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, he just wrote me. He's like, he's like, which one of these people is your sister-in-law? Because there's so many women in my life. <laughs> Anyways, Manny, you're a very handsome man. Um, oh, there is Manny P. I'm not kidding. He literally sent me a photo. I'm literally showing the photo. This is and I him. think it's amazing wow. to just dance like no one's watching. Dance like, like no one's watching. you're fucking picked up by a hot brand yeah. guy. That's good. I feel like you do dance harder, like uh, as a mom. That's what I'm like, saying. Let's time is out. of the essence. Yeah. Yeah. Let it's nine thirty. My kids are sleeping. Yeah. Let's just rock out. <laughs> just go yes. out hard, you know. Yeah. Anyways, that's my list. That's my tip for any listeners today. Love it. Just mom out with your cock out. <laughs> rock out with your cock out. What are we say? If only mom if out only. with your tits out. Yeah. Jim out with your oh. clam out. Oh no, oh, I don't like the word clam for vagina. That doesn't do it for me. It's kind of gross. <laughs> your face too. Mm, Catherine also had like the clam. Eh. Clam is not my favorite word for oh, vagina. No, so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> with your clam out. <laughs> bye everybody. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoyed the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics that you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at MomsTO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.